The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod, and we are coming to you live from many places. I'm coming to you live from a room in my home. And um, I don't know if you can hear it, but we have helicopters who have been circling our neighborhood for, I don't know, the last half hour. We've had sirens. I have no idea what's going on, but if it sounds like I'm landing in an airport, that's why. And if anything urgent should happen, well, you'll hear me scream first. So uh, I have no idea what's going on, but uh, there it is. And, you know, we live close to a hospital and at first we thought it was, you know, something going at the hospital, but it's, they're circling. So it suggests maybe that that is not what's happening. We hope that everybody's safe and that all is well. And we're just gonna keep coming to you as we do, no matter what happens. If the internet connection is there, we'll be here. Uh, thrilled to be here with you this morning. As I said, I am Shannon Penrod, and we're gonna be live with you for the next hour. We've got a very special show. We're gonna be joined by Bonnie Yates uh, sometime very soon, uh, is my expectation, um, because we uh, didn't even set up jargon today. Uh, at least we didn't, did we, Traven? Am I, am, is, you know, we've reached that point in the program I, we've been doing extra programming this week, and I, I have almost had it together every single day. But it's Thursday, right? We we don't have jargon today. Thank you, Traven. Uh, we, we, but it's Thursday, and I said to my husband this morning, "Oh, I can feel the sweater starting to unravel." Do you have have days and weeks like that where it's like, "Oh my gosh, it's Thursday. We're in the home stretch," but it's been a lot. Uh, so excited for the programming that we've been doing, and you know, I got an email this morning from somebody who was asking me specifically about the fact they, they know that we're, we're doing some extra webinars at night um, for card families. And they were saying, is this something that, you know, the outside community could come to because um, they look like they're really good and they are. And I apologize that it is not something for the outside community. Um, but this is our answer to that. The truth of the matter is, is that a lot of the things that we're doing in that webinar are things that we're doing on Autism Live. We're just doing this for the entire world. You don't have to have any credentials to be here at Autism Live. We hope that anybody and everybody comes here and is here with us and that you can ask your questions and we have experts. No, we don't get to all of the questions here. That is absolutely true. Uh, we don't, but I gotta tell you that we try, we try really, really hard to get to all of the questions um, and we try to get to as many as we can. And then on the weekend, I try to go back and catch up on the things that we didn't get to. Now you can imagine, we had Temple Grandin on the show last week and we had so many comments that I'm still knee deep. I'm still answering them and it's probably gonna take me a couple of weeks and by then we'll have Temple back on again and there I'll be in that ditch again, trying to shovel out of all the comments that we get. 
But uh, please know that it's not for lack of caring, that we absolutely care about what you have to share. And I, I want everybody to know to be persistent. And if you don't get your question answered, you know, write it in again. I do, I'm reading them all and I do notice when there is a second one. Uh, okay, so uh, since we're talking about that, can you hear the helicopter right now? It seems to be hovering over my house. I may be wanted by the police. They might be looking for me, <laughs> or at least it seems that way. Okay, so uh, hopefully you can't hear it because it's really loud. Uh, it's crazy. I, I could probably wave to the pilot and offer him a cup of coffee. Uh, all right, so Traven, can you show them all the ways that they can connect with, here with us at Autism Live? Because there are a lot of different ways. We try to be on as many screens as we can and to be free and accessible on all of them. So it really comes down to your preference. Now you'll notice that there's two columns, right? And there's the one column is all the places where we are live. And the other column is all the places where you can find us later on in addition to those places. Because a lot of the, for instance, you know, even after we're live on Twitter and Facebook and Periscope and YouTube, you can find us there as well. But we are live on Twitter on Facebook, on Periscope, and on YouTube. And then we later on podcast to iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Deezer. And you notice across the bottom is our homepage, autism-live.com. And you can find us there. Uh, and information that we have put out there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now that site has a lot going on on it um, because we know that people want different things from Autism Live. Some people just want to be here and commune when we do the live shows. And you know, if you watch the show that we are doing live shows right now, Monday through Friday, um, this week we're doing the, the morning show and we've added an afternoon show, which I'm gonna tell you about in a second. But uh, continuing on every week, we are during this emergency, we are live Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. So that's 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern time and you guys can do the math. I've lived in every time zone that there is in the, in the continental U.S. and I know you guys get good at doing the math. Uh, it's the people on the coast that really suck at the math thing, right? <laughs> I don't know what... Uh, you know, we have to like, you know, count on our fingers and go, is it plus? Is it minus? And when you've lived in all of the time zones, it gets a little confusing. I went to graduate school in Denver, Colorado, and my mother couldn't, she was living in upstate New York and she could never figure it out. So uh, she was two years, two years, she was two hours ahead of me, but she thought she was two hours behind. So she would call me at like 5 a.m. her time. And <laughs> so it would be a whopping 3 a.m. my time. Those were good, good years in graduate school. In any case, uh, you know, do the math, find us. Uh, and when you're on the website, there are many, many, many things there to do besides watching a live show, right? But the live show does play on our homepage. And you can comment directly from our homepage. And it doesn't matter whether we're live or not. There is a chat box at the bottom. There's a little button. You click it and it opens up and you can type and hit enter and it shows up on a screen right here that I have on a, you know, a pedestal here so that I can see what you guys write in. Uh, now, um, also at the top of the page, there's the toy guide. I know many of you have been writing in and saying, okay, you know, it's holidays, it's high, high holiday week for a lot of different people. And sometimes you're looking for a gift, a special gift, something that'll entertain your child and maybe be educational. I, I you know, I point back to the toy guide. Um, the 2019 toy guide is there at the top of the page. If you just click on the toy guide, it'll open up and you can go through all the age and developmental. And I encourage you look at other age and developmental areas too, because you might see something that's just right 
for your kiddo because sometimes there's a toy that would be right for more than one age range. Um, but if you want to go back in time, you're like, yeah, I looked through that. I'm very familiar with it. I want to know what else you've recommended. If you're on our homepage, there's a, a thing there that says blog. Well, the blog is a little broken right now, but this is advantageous to you in this moment in time because the last two blogs on it were the last two toy guides and I can't move them. I can't do anything with them. They're working on it, but they're right there. So you don't have to search through three years worth of stuff. They're the last two posts uh, on the blog. So check that out and, um, and see, they're not as interactive as uh, they are this last year, but you can still search the toys and find them. And they're still remarkable toys and great things to give our kiddos. So, but um, also on that homepage, autism-live.com, we have categories and places and ways to search things. So I hope that you will find what you're looking there. And if you don't, please write to me at s.penrod at autism-live.com. That's s as in Shannon, dot Penrod, P-E-N-R as in robot, O as in Oscar, D as in dog, at autism, which I don't have to spell for you, hyphen live.com. And that will get you to me. And um, I'm trying to be caught up on that stuff as well. Uh, but hey, you know, uh, Bonnie's going to be joining us in just a minute. But until then, you guys can be writing in questions. And usually on Thursday, we like to cover a mindfulness moment and I didn't think we were going to have time to do it because we were going to have Bonnie talking the whole hour and Bonnie Yates, by the way, special education attorney. We're going to talk about the whole special education thing. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but uh, we do have a minute as it turns out. And so why not take a mindfulness moment? And I think one of the most important things right now in a mindfulness uh, moment in a pandemic is self-talk. What you are saying to yourself every day, because that's what feeds, right? This is part of the reason why everybody's been saying, monitor your watching of the news. Not that you don't ever want to watch the news. We all need to be kept abreast of what's happening, but you really got to monitor it because, you know, the 24-hour news cycle now, and they will keep pounding things. And, you know, they're trying to grab people's attention and so the, everything is very sensationalized on the news right now. So tune in, find your preferred method of doing it. Some people are finding that listening to NPR because they don't get the pictures with it is less intensive for them. Um, but find your preferred place to get your news. Uh, hopefully not on Facebook. That's not, <laughs> none of us need to be getting our news from Facebook. That's not, not a good way to go. But find the trusted news source that you feel is giving you accurate news and tune into it for a portion that you have prescribed per day um, so that you can keep up on things and then let that go. Uh, because uh, the self-talk that we're going to do to ourselves is going to prescribe how we feel right now. So if your mantra is, oh no, you know, things are really bad right now and, and here's what the, the count is for how many people have this, you're going you're gonna to spin. It's just a fact we all are going to do that. Um, so you want to come up with a couple of phrases that you can say to yourself that become anytime a thought comes in that is making you anxious, that you've got another thought that's very calming, right? I always, I was, it's like the traffic passing because when um, I was a part of a study 
and I, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have uh, the amazing doctor who, who did this study about, um, it's called ACT, Acceptance Commitment uh, Therapy. And I was part of a study to see how autism parents uh, reacted and if it made us better caregivers. And in my case, it certainly, certainly did. Um, but one of the meditations that I was given is that, you know, whatever you're, whatever you're thinking and trying to clear your mind and picture, you know, like the white screen with all the, the fuzz on it on television, um, or you're picturing a snowstorm, whatever is more accessible for you, that sometimes a thought comes through like a car on a highway, right? Um, and that we want to like pay attention to the car and go, oh, that's, you know, that's a red Porsche. I'm, you know, and then we've lost that moment of peace, right? And um, so what I was taught is just like, let the car go by and let the car go by and notice them and notice that they're going by and release them, right? Don't fixate on them, don't focus on them, uh, right? So if the thought comes in about, oh no, you know, the death toll today is that you have another thought that you automatically have sail by and, and you don't hold on to that either, but you let it go by. But if you decide what the thought is, the combating thought, um, then you're ready for it. And that becomes your new mantra. And that can be uh, an affirmative statement. It can be, I'm okay, my kids are okay, right? That's a pretty powerful one. I'm okay and my kids are okay. And it can be, I'm okay right now. Right now, I'm okay because that grounds you in the present. I know we're all worried about the future, woo, right? Um, but the future is yet to be determined and right now, if you're watching this, you're okay. You are. It may not feel like you're okay because of all this other stuff. Um, I, you know, and like I said, I got a helicopter <laughs> sitting over my house. I have no idea what's going on. But in this moment right now, I'm okay. I'm okay. You're okay. So the thought goes by, you know, whatever it is. And we go, right now, I'm okay. And my kids are okay. Boom. And this is the only moment that we really get to experience. Truthfully, I mean, if you think about it, we can try to relive the past and sometimes, you know, that's a fun thing to do, but it doesn't really get us any pure joy. And we can worry about and plan for the future. Um, but, you know, sometimes that's a sticky wicket. I, I know that I have been focused so much in the last six months about this period of time, because my son is, you know, he's a, a second semester junior and he's going to be a senior next year. I've already started planning his graduation party. I am not kidding you. I already like have, you know, parts of the menu planned out, all this stuff. And now this happens. And, uh, you know, anytime somebody talks about how long this might continue, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. By the time his graduation party, right? As if I have some say in it not helpful to focus on a graduation party that is a year and two months away. And I've had to say, you know, sufficient onto the day that will, I will take care of that when that comes and it will be whatever it needs to be. I'm okay right now. My kids are okay. Right. So you let that thought come in and that doesn't have to be when you're sitting and meditating quietly. I mean, like, you know, you can be making the macaroni and cheese, right? and stir in the pot and the thought comes in about, oh no, what are we gonna do about rent, right? And, and you go, oh, right? And so you, the thought right then is, right now we're, I'm okay and my kids are okay. Now there's a time and a place to worry about the rent, right? And hopefully, 
you know, hopefully some of these, uh, the stimulus package things um, that are supposedly coming, hopefully those will get to people. But I want you to remember when you're having those kinds of thoughts and when it's time to worry about those things, remember that almost everybody is in the same boat. So, you know, there's no, uh, if there, there's nothing you can do about it right now, remember that so many people are in the same boat and we'll figure it out together. We will. Um, so uh, mindfulness, you know, getting in this present, in this moment, knowing that you're okay, that your kids are okay, and that it's going to be okay. Uh, we are all going to get through this. You know what I always say, si se puede. You know, I, I, I think about my grandparents almost every day and how my grandmother would talk to me about her generation. And when she was 17 years old, uh, World War II, well, Pearl Harbor happened in the year that she was 17 years old. And, um, you know, she said the boys that she went to high school with joined up and they didn't even wait till graduation and that um, a lot of them didn't come back. And, you know, she said she would always talk about how and, and they are called her generation is called the greatest generation because they gave the greatest sacrifice and and that they lived at a time when they didn't get to be young. Um, and she would talk to me about what that was like. And I, and I would ask her questions all the time. I was very fascinated by that whole period of time. And, and she said, well, you know, you do what you have to do. You, you muster what you have to muster and everybody finds the thing that they're capable of. And they, they do that until they can't anymore. And I, I never really understood what she meant by that, but I have to say that I think now I get this on a level that I didn't before because I look at so many people in my life that are out doing incredible, amazing, heroic things. And I'm humbled by it, right? And, and I was talking to somebody yesterday and saying that basically to them and, and they're providing a daycare situation for first responders. And I was like, my goodness, what an amazing soul you are that you're, because that needs to happen and how, how amazing and how great. And they were like, well, you know, you're doing stuff too. And, and I, I want to poo-poo it, right? But the truth of the matter is, is that I feel very grateful that I get to be here with you and, and hopefully, to, you know, to help in whatever way I can, um, because it feels good to serve. It feels really good to serve. And for some of you, the way that you are serving is that you are making sure that your family stays together through this and that your kiddos are safe. And that is no small thing. Um, that is something to be uh, congratulated and rewarded. And, um, you know, so many people are discovering, you know, who are the people that we really should be thanking on a daily basis? Cause a lot of people have not been having to do a lot of things for themselves, right? Whether it's, you know, people who are used to having somebody else, uh, clean their toilets for them. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, all of a sudden we are all now really appreciating our teachers, <laughs> right? Like, don't we all feel like teachers need to get paid more? And for sure, uh, people who are taking care of kids need to be respected, revered, and paid more. Uh, because this, these are not easy jobs. And how about the people in the grocery stores? Woo! And the delivery people? Oh, my goodness. These are amazing, amazing people. Now, um, we're supposed to have Bonnie on now. And she is calling me. I hope that. And I cannot call her now because I'm in the middle of a live show with you guys. So uh, I hope that Bonnie is going to be tuning on soon. And 
uh, Traven, if you can email her and help to sort out, uh, she may not have the right code. I don't know. She hasn't texted me, uh, but I'm going to keep on talking to you guys. I know that, you know, for many of you, uh, it's Passover and uh, and Easter on, on Sunday, depending on, you know, what religions you celebrate. And sometimes the ritual that you have for these holidays is to get together with other people, right? I mean, I know certainly for us, that has been our usual thing is that we get together with lots of other families, in particular autism families on Easter. And, you know, you can't do that in the traditional way this time. And I want to stress that you can't. Um, and, and I, I know that, you know, we've tried to be fluffy here and say, you know, to each their own and everybody has to do with their comfort level. But, you know, I think it's clear across all the states now and across all the data across the world that now this week especially is a time for us to stay put. And, you know, if you, if you want to, you know, if you really want to commune with others, then I know we'll be doing Zoom um, calls with other families on Sunday and connecting with them to make sure that we all, nobody gets left behind and we all have that connection. But I, I know everybody wants to go to the grocery store. I was talking to a mom the other day who was like, well, I have to, I have, to have the things for the Easter basket. And I appreciate that. I really do. And if you can order them online, great. Uh, but if you don't have to, if you could wait this week and not put people in harm's way, because even the people who have to go do the shopping for you and the people that are driving, I know they, they're making a living, but let's, let's save that for things that are urgent and necessary. And if you truly feel that the Easter basket is urgent and necessary, then, you know, that is for you to say, not for me. But I will tell you that, you know, there, there have been, going back to my grandparents, you know, they went through the depression and sometimes there wasn't an egg to put in the Easter basket and they found other things. Um, you know, search your house, find the things, make something. I, I know it seems like it's like, oh no, this is the worst fill in the blank holiday ever. But I can tell you just from my experience, you know, the worst Christmas season that we ever had was the one where supposedly was the one where uh, I didn't have enough money. I looked at the bank account on December 1st and I, and I knew what money was coming in. And I said, I don't have the money to buy my child a toy to pay for uh, something for Christmas dinner, other than, you know, whatever we were typically eating um, and to buy the medicine that he was currently on. Uh, he was on a probiotic that was pretty expensive and I couldn't afford to do all three. And I was pretty despondent about it because when you feel like you can't provide the thing that's important to you, to your kids, it, it feels bad, right? And uh, I talked to a friend and she said, you know, you got to have faith. And she said, the most important thing on that list that you really can't do without is the medicine. So she said, do you have enough to do the medicine? I said, yes. But then if I do that, I will definitely not have enough for Christmas dinner and a toy. And she said, somehow that'll work out Buy the medicine. And I did. And I cried. I put my head down and cried. And I was like, oh, okay, now I've done it. And as soon as I hung up from the place where I was ordering the medicine and, and you know, crying, my phone rang. And it was a woman that I barely know who um, said to me, you know, I, uh, I know your cousin. And I always get him a gift for Christmas time. And usually what I do is I donate to Habitat for Humanity or something of that nature for uh, for his Christmas gift, but this year uh, I would I would like to donate to whatever your son needs because uh, that's the way I want to show appreciation for your cousin. And it was it, it filled me with the Christmas spirit, yes. 
And it made me feel that there was hope and that things could get better and things would get better. And I, and then other things happened. The, um, the uh, TACA, the wonderful organization TACA, mm -hmm. now known uh, as the Autism Community in Action, they had a thing where families could be nominated who needed uh, help and support. And I was nominated and another family adopted us and they sent a toy for my son and they sent uh, things for us to have for Christmas dinner and a gift card. And I'll tell you, I look back on that holiday as being the most filled with Christmas spirit. Were we at the mall? No. Did we have money to go and spend and, and do whatever we wanted? No, but it was, so I'm saying make the best of it. Hey, Miss Bonnie. Good morning. How are you? Good. I was just FaceTiming with my little grandson. Oh my gosh. How was that? Well, it's always delicious and, and torturous. Yes. Because there's nothing quite like being there, but. Yeah. Uh, I just want to, you know, grab those thighs. Yes. But aren't you being a good grandma that you're, you're still zooming, even though that it's bittersweet and, uh, and getting the time to spend with that fabulous young man. Well, I'll just say I was totally opposed to the idea when my daughter said, well, but you know, when you're not here, you'll be able to, you know, like, it's like, I don't like to do it that way, but really it's been great. It's just yeah. reassuring to see the people you love. So anyway. Thrilled that you are here uh, and that you had asked for a little bit of extra time. So we moved you from Monday to Thursday um, so that we could, and I know that there were some specific things that you had wanted to chat about. Do you, do you recall the desire to chat about those yeah, things? Yeah, I mean, I do. I wanted to go through the frequently asked questions, but I also thought we had some questions, although I haven't pulled them up this morning because I got a little bit off my schedule. So I, I definitely want to answer people's questions. Okay, so if people have questions, they should be writing them in. And, and I I had thought that you had a very specific thing because I I know that, um, Bonnie, we, were, we got a lot of emails this week from... COPA and from other places urging us that there's a thing going on right now um, about uh, whether or not they're, what I'm the not being very articulate. What the going to do with the IDEA. And yeah. COPA, COPA is putting together a position paper on that. And the best thing people can do is log on to COPA and, um, find out how you can, you know, throw your support in behind COPA so that we can take a consistent position as a, as a group of, of parents and educators and whatnot um, who have some real experience in dealing with disabilities and we're stakeholders and our views should matter. So that's, that's what I'd suggest people do about the, the, the as of yet not uh, known uh, state of affairs with, with uh, Betsy DeVos. Um, what I wanted to talk to people about is creativity during this time. And I also, I also wanted to go over with people what we know as of today about how uh, the law is working. So that, that was kind of my thinking about what we were gonna do today. But I right. have specific questions and I think we had like three questions from, Yes, I will find those. But do we want to start in on the other thing? We can. Am I supposed to do the disclaimer and introduce myself and all that? Please. I'm all discombobulated today. But yes, would you please do that for us? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just, you know, that comes with, you know, 
not having our normal cues and things that we rely on to structure ourselves anyway. Um, so my name is Bonnie Yates. I'm a special education attorney and the lucky parent of a person who was very fortunate to go through the CARD program when he was a young child diagnosed with autism. I work for Tolner Law Offices, T-O-L-L-N-E-R. You can find us on the web. My phone number, if you live in California and you want to you know, consult with our office, is 310-245-1968. You can go to the website and fill in a form and we'll do an intake for you. Um, we answer questions here. Um, basically focusing on California law, but we also look to the federal law because it applies in 50 states. And if you have a specific problem, we'd recommend that you talk to an attorney in your state uh, about it because the advice we're giving here on the air is general in nature. Wonderful. Uh, and thank you for all of that. We have uh, really enjoyed having you to, to be somebody that we can refer things to. I know um, one of the biggest concerns that a lot of parents have had during this period of time, you know, first, I think first and foremost, they were concerned about, you know, getting their child home, getting safe and getting their ABA services. And once families have had that sort of secured, we see that very quickly the thing that they are the most concerned about is what's happening educationally right now, what their rights are, what's, and I know you've been talking with that, us about that a little bit um, on the show. And, and impressing upon people how important it is to keep a diary, a journal about what's happening and how your child is reacting to it and what services the school is offering and, and whether those services work, whether you were able to do them, uh, whether you're seeing any signs of regression. Uh, but I think we're all a little bit at sea that we don't, we don't know what's going on. Does anybody, Bonnie? Well, I heard a presentation by an economist the other night that was really smart. And he basically said that, that economists have now concluded that um, rather than saying that health has to be sacrificed in order to maintain a vital economy, what you do is you stabilize everybody health-wise and then everything else will fall in line behind that. So I think that's what you're saying. We've spent two, three weeks learning how to live at home and make sure that we're health-wise safe and we have food to eat. And now the question of making sure that our kids don't regress too much during this time period becomes paramount because we know how sensitive our children are to changes in their environment. So um, I was gonna talk about the frequently asked questions and I will, but I wanted to say in terms of creativity during this time, People don't really know what the rules are, and that includes school district people, and different districts are adapting different policies, and it's, it's quite inconsistent and just sort of interesting to watch play out. So um, I had a conversation yesterday with someone after her IEP, and it sort of went like this. We had a Zoom IEP, and um, we started talking about the IEP, but we only talked a very little bit about what actually is going on right now, which was sort of funny that we didn't focus on that. We got off the phone and the client talked to her son about what he's doing in school or what, you know, what his telelearning is like. And he said, it's a waste of time. I'm not learning anything and neither is anybody else. So I said, well, if that's true and you document that, then maybe the thing to do is to come up with some activities that you're going to do during this time period that are going to allow you to um, to continue to progress, um, 
rather than regress. And then we'll sort of take it up in the summer or whenever. Now there's no guarantee if you pay for stuff now that it's gonna get reimbursed since we are unclear on what districts are going to do as far as comp ed. But I think they're gonna to have to do something as far as comp ed. So I think the question becomes, is there stuff that you could pay for that if you couldn't get the money back, it would still be worth it to you? Is there stuff that you can pay for that if you could get 50% of the money back, um, it would be worth it to you? Are there things you can do through your insurance or get the regional center to help with that would take the place of doing telelearning if it's not that efficient for you? So what I worked out with this client is that we're going to work on reading. And so she's going to purchase the direct instruction curriculum and pay for a little bit of help from the direct instruction people to start working on her son's reading, which is a huge underlying issue and prevents him from learning. And that's what he's gonna do for a couple hours a day rather than just kind of go, you know, I mean, with all due respect to his school, um, it's just really not structured enough for him. He needs a lot of structure and it's not really enough to get an email that says do this. So that's a way that we're being creative now um, because we have this time to do it. So that's, that's what I mean about creativity. And we will make a claim for reimbursement for the services that she pays for during this time period. But we're gonna be in a position where if she doesn't get fully reimbursed with, for them, it's still okay. And, um, and uh, you know, it, it, it'll be worth it. Um, for another client who has a very um, severe uh, teenage son with autism, telelearning doesn't work at all for him. So our search has been about finding a company that accepts his insurance that will come into the home and take ABA, I mean, and do ABA. And I know that there are a lot of companies that are not able to do that, but there are a few that are starting to do it. And for him, that's gonna be a lifesaver because he will regress. So um, each situation needs to be looked at in terms of, are you getting value out of what you're doing? And then if not, what can we do about it? Yeah, I, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, people that are still not, not entirely clear on, on the whole thing that, ABA is considered a medically necessary treatment, which means that uh, if, if an ABA provider chooses to continue um, providing services and if the family chooses to continue, um, then even in a lockdown situation, it's just like when nurses go to work or when the people who work at the dialysis center go to work. They're medically necessary. They, uh, you know, they have clearance to go into the home. It absolutely is something that can happen and is hap happening. Now, many families choose and say, you know, the risk of having somebody come into our home, uh, we're gonna say that our child is doing well enough that they're gonna, they, they're choosing to do telehealth, which is also another great choice. But for some of those kiddos where the behaviors are severe and they need more support, um, it is absolutely, you know, uh, a thing that that family uh, is requesting and needing. There are good ABA providers and wonderful heroic therapists that are still going to the home. CARD is one of those providers. And every day this week, we've been doing shows at, um, so this is our morning show. And we've been doing shows at two o'clock in the afternoon featuring some of those rock stars, some of those heroes. We literally are calling it card heroes. And we talk to 
between six and eight of those people um, per day and do just Dr. Grampiche and I do short interviews with them. I got to tell you, Bonnie, these are the most uplifting group of people. They are like ferocious and co uh, courageous and heroic. And, but it sounds like, you know, it's exactly the kind of people that this client of yours needs because, you know, and I just want to make, make it clear that there are people out there who are like, nobody should be doing this anymore. And, and I, I, I want them to be clear about what they're saying, because we wouldn't say that at a dialysis center. We wouldn't say that, you know, for people who are getting treatment for cancer, we wouldn't say that at the hospital. So we shouldn't be saying that about ABA. It is considered a medically necessary treatment. Sorry, just wanted it's, to stop and say it's a, it's a personal choice, you know, also. And some people want to serve and they feel compelled to serve. And yes. some people feel that they've now had the virus and they've recovered. So it's really an, it's an individual case by case um, situation. And but others feel that they should stay home. I'm one of the people who said, you know, I need to stay home. I, I need to not put other people at risk. Uh, and I, you know, I have somebody I have to take care of and I have autoimmune issues. I'm some, I don't want to be clogging up the hospital. I'm, I'm one of those people trying to serve from home, uh, yeah. but it is a personal choice. You're right. It is. But, um, but I am starting now to get, you know, questions from people about sort of the, what, the, what to do's. I had another interesting discussion with a woman a couple of days ago. Uh, she said, my district is not letting people come into the home, even though my ABA provider will come into the home. But I also know that two other districts nearby are following a different policy and they're letting my ABA company come into the home. And she said, what can I do about it? And yeah. I said, it might be hard to get an IEP right now because the timelines for IEPs are relaxed. But I said, if you go to the California Department of, uh, the Office of Administrative Hearings website for California, you can print out a very simple uh, form complaint and you can file for due process. And we talked about how she would make her allegations. I said, the law as to resolution sessions has not been changed. You can get a resolution session within 10 days of filing of your complaint. And I bet you anything, when you sit down with the administrators at that level, as opposed to the IEP team level, you can get them to agree to make a deal with you so that you can have the in-home ABA. And she's somebody who has a kid who's severe. She said, I'm on the phone with you now and I've had to lock my son in his bedroom in order, order to be able to do this call. So what we're doing now is we're taking each case individually and we're coming up with the best solution we can for the circumstances on the ground. Um, and we're just gonna keep pushing through. Okay, we've had a bunch of comments that have come in, uh, starting with somebody saying that they that their school district just changed uh, their policies. They said, my school district just made big changes today, and we are still trying to figure it out. They sent out a robocall, and we need to understand, we need to know what it means. And I'm, I would love for that person to write back and tell us what district and, you know, give us any quotes from your robocall. Uh, so that maybe we can have Bonnie uh, decipher they for us. They could probably forward the call. Uh, yes, but I wouldn't have a way of getting it while we're on the show. No, 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 but we'll uh, talk about it later. Yeah, we absolutely okay. could. Uh, somebody else says, I want to, and they said such a great comparison, Shannon, about the dialysis thing. I want to agree with you about help. It's okay to ask for help, especially during this time. Asking you will be surprised what happens. 
uh, people are waiting to help. Am I right? And I found that to be true. Somebody else said, thank you, ladies. And another person says, I just got my son regional services and Medi-Cal. Star of California ABA services are trying to get my son's services approved, but my blue, uh, my Anthem Blue Cross is denying us coverage. What can I do? Okay. And, um, can we stop there? Yeah. I, I want to announce this on the air. I've been meaning to. I mean, first of all, if you're looking for an evaluator that will come in and test your kid now during COVID-19 and you're in California, I've got two names for you of people that are willing to do that. Um, one is Dr. Ann Simon. She's in Los Angeles. The other is Dr. Helena Johnson. She's uh, in Long Beach. And they have said they will test kids now if people want to do that, which is good because we have a couple clients that have gotten IEEs approved. But then the thought was who can do the testing. For the... Um, what was the second one's name, Dr. Helena? Helena Johnson. I'll send you the contact information. Um, okay. but, uh, but for insurance, I have two go-to people. I don't do insurance at all. It's, it's, it's complicated. It's quite different from the IDEA. Um, there's a lawyer who I think you might know, Shannon, because he's done a lot of card cases. His name is Randy Curry. He's in Newport Beach. And he's where I send all my people to if they have insurance issues and they've gone as far as they can. He's had very good luck with um, representing card families. There's also a woman in, um, in the East Bay in Northern California. Her name is Karen Fessel, F-E-S-S-E-L. And her project is called Autism Health Insurance Project. She's who I send people to if they say something like, hey, my kid is six. How long do you think I can keep my ABA going under my, you know, at school under my Anthem Blue Cross policy, blah, blah, blah. She follows all of that. So, uh, you know, people, to the extent that you have insurance questions, what I've seen is that, that follow up to one of these two professionals gets you a lot of information and that's been valuable. And in some cases has resulted in people being able to perpetuate their insurance services in circumstances where they thought they weren't going to be able to do that. And I can chime in that, you know, as part of the caregiver support department at CARD, we work with um, people who get denials at, that are CARD clients. And one of the first things that we tell the, the family to do is to immediately ask for the denial in writing um, and, and to ask why you are being denied in writing. And once you have that, that's going to help you a lot. But the very first thing, when you get the letter of denial, there's a place on it from all insurance that are required by law to have a place that on that letter that tells you how to appeal. And the first appeal we see across the board almost never gets, uh, you know, the, the decision uh, turned around. You all, if you apply for the first appeal, you are almost always going to be denied on the first appeal. But it's important to realize that almost always it's because the people who are reviewing the first denial are the same people who gave the denial to begin with. But once you get that first denial, then you get a, a denial letter that comes with uh, further instructions about how to do a second appeal. And when you do the second appeal, it goes to people who do not work for your insurance company. They're an independent panel. And we see that often, you know, parents 
are able to get that decision turned around because they have a diagnosis and they have the insurance and whatever the, whatever the reason was for the denial doesn't hold water most of the time. But having a lawyer to do that for you, you know, infinitely easier. But those are the steps that we tell people to start to pursue um, in order to, you know, and, and they're largely successful, but you got to steal yourself that it's a process. And the first time you're almost certainly going to be denied. Well, interestingly, what you're talking about is a gatekeeper function. And it, mm-hmm. it, it's really a systemic um, thing that you encounter. Like if you apply for social security disability in Los Angeles, your first level of appeal is almost always going to get denied. If you go to an IEP team meeting and you appeal to them to ask them to provide a certain service, you know, what I was saying to that woman before when I told her to get a resolution session is get the decision making away from people that are too personally invested in the decision and have been instructed by their higher ups that they don't have the discretion to make those uh, services available. So it's, it's really disappointing to get turned down. But I, I just see, you know, like with IHSS, I mean, there's a lot of different instances in which you just got to push on through. And you ladies and gentlemen already know how to do that because you've been pushing on through since you got the diagnosis. You wouldn't be here if you hadn't. Absolutely. Uh, we try to uh, do the questions? They would or? like to know, they would like to know if you have any East Coast resources. And I happen to know that you have a great East Coast re- resource. Yeah, we talked about Barbara, Barbara Ebenstein, E-B-E-N-S-T-E-I-N in New Rochelle, New York. And um, she's my yes. resource. And uh, and she may know other people in other East Coast states, so I'd go to her and see who she can recommend you to. And they said, "Okay, appeal and keep fighting," and that that is your mantra. Somebody else says, "My son is past due for a triannual review. They keep pushing it off because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We start distance learning Monday. Are schools legally supposed to do virtual IEP and triannual meetings?" And thank you. Well, they the federal government has said we have to continue to do IEPs, and so the conversation that I had with the representative from LAUSD, you know, we were talking off kind of off the record. Um, It's just interesting sometimes, like he was at home, I was at home, and the the dynamic shifts a little bit, you know, everybody maybe takes their armor off a tiny bit. And he said, listen, I I, I called him, I said, I've got this other case, it's log jammed, I can't seem to get them to schedule the IEP meeting. And I know it's because they're hung up on the fact that they were supposed to do assessments before this IEP was to occur and they can't do them. And I said, am I right that they can do the IEP using existing information from other evaluations? And he said, absolutely. So you you should be telling the team that that you need your IEP and you're entitled to it. And even if guidelines or or rules are relaxed, it doesn't mean there are no rules. Uh, And tell them what information you have and why it's sufficient to to develop the IEP and float the idea that some some action now is better than waiting until the fall when there's gonna be a lot of you know um, overload and confusion and it's gonna be hard to get a meeting then. And if they refuse, give ask them to give you prior written notice why they won't hold the IEP meeting now. We talked about yeah. that. We talked about that on Tuesday a little bit. Shannon's got um, and unfortunately, though, Bonnie, a lot of these folks weren't at that meeting. <coughs> that was a private meeting. Okay, no, I understand. So on, <laughs> so on Tuesday, what we discussed was, was the concept of prior written notice, 
which is basically if the district says no, they're legally required to justify uh, why they're saying no and what uh, documents and information they relied on. Um, and we sent to Shannon um, a template for what, what the district's prior written notices might look like. And we also sent her the statutory um, quote with a statutory reference and quoting the language of, um, of the federal regulation that requires the district to give you prior written notice. The, the we'll post that in the Facebook comments later today. The, the <coughs> takeaway is the district, the district can say no to you, but they have to justify it. And oftentimes once you press them to justify it and they realize they're gonna have to, they kind of rethink their position. Wonderful, sorry, I'm having a, a, a allergy coughing fit, sorry. Totally healthy, totally isolated, totally healthy. Um, but, uh, okay, so back to, that's, that's it for the questions for the moment, although I'm sure more will come in in just a second. Um, but back to what you were talking about, the frequently asked questions, because we're, we're like 10, 10 minutes left now. Okay, well, let's do that. Although I thought you had some written questions that you wanted answered as well. I haven't been able to find them, Bonnie, I apologize. Uh, should I try? Or should I just <clears throat> frequently ask questions? If, if we have the frequently asked questions, let's do those. All right. We do have frequently asked questions. Okay. Question <clears throat> one. Can my child get special education services if my school is closed because of COVID-19? Answer. If your school is providing educational services like virtual classrooms or teacher check-ins or learning resources, i.e. work packets, access to eBooks or audiobooks to general education students, they must provide students with disabilities equal access to those services and resources. So the first important principle is equal access. Most, dis most districts are doing distance learning for their general ed students because they wanna keep their teachers on the payroll. So if you're gonna do that, equal access may require accommodations and modifications. So you can ask for those things. Accommodations should mirror your IEP, such as materials in an accessible format offering no cost devices, subscriptions and assistive technology or chunking and reducing assignments. Modifications may uh, lower the level of the actual curriculum but should be appropriately ambitious, not just busy work. Equal access may also require individualized direct instruction and related services such as speech therapy, occupational therapy or behavioral. <coughs> so, um, those are all things to consider when you're setting up what you're gonna do at home. The delivery of education must consider the individual and unique needs of your child. For some students, telephone or online video conferencing instruction or services may work. For others, services may need to be directly provided at a school site or in the home. The delivery method should take into account the health and safety of the child, your family, and other uh, students and staff. Um, you can request an individualized education plan meeting to discuss an interim IEP and put appropriate accommodations, modifications, and services in place during the closure. You may ask that this IEP be held on the telephone or via online video conference. And in any case, give 24 hours written notice that you're gonna record. Um, at the moment, but let's see. So, oh. Maybe it's me. Uh, I can hear you. <clears throat> you were frozen, but it says my internet. Okay. Uh, it said my internet was uh, frozen for a second. So you're probably fine. It's probably just me. Go right ahead. Did you hear the part where I said request an IEP meeting? 
I didn't hear anything. Oh, you so, didn't hear anything. But the whole question? No, no, no. Just uh, about like a minute before, uh, you know, it had stopped. Okay. So request an IEP meeting. Request an IEP meeting to discuss an interim IEP and put appropriate accommodations, modifications, and services in place during the closure. You may ask that this IEP be held on the telephone or via online video conference. Oh, and, and that's really interesting because after, uh, you know, the things that people have written in since we last checked the comments, um, the person who said that they're the triannual has been being put off because of the emergency says the assessments were already done. Well, and someone that's else, really bogus. That's super <clears throat> bogus. Yeah. They say whether they're in California. No, they don't. But um, please write in and tell us. They also say that it was scheduled for March 17, which is when schools closed. And then somebody else said that theirs was scheduled for March 19. Now, can they just, um, what, what should they do, Bonnie? Should they uh, send an email to the principal and say, I expect for this to be rescheduled in a timely manner? Yeah. And tell them if they won't, that they're going to file for due process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that there's a complaint to the California Department of Education. The districts don't like that. But yeah, you may you may need to do this differently than you've done it before. And the truth of the matter is that these people are still on the payroll and they're 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 still functioning. It's just many of them are functioning from home and they're holding Zoom meetings. So they can hold a Zoom meeting with you. Yeah, um, I've, I've had three IEPs in the last couple of weeks, and yeah. and I've got me I've done mediations, and I've got more coming up. I've done a resolution session. Okay. Yeah, the or... teachers haven't been laid off. The teachers have not been furloughed, um, and the the special education people, to my knowledge, nobody has been furloughed or laid off. The school year is still in session for uh, you know uh, many more weeks. They say that they're in. So one of them um, says they're in San Marcos School District, and the other one says they're in North County, San Diego, both of them California. Well, we can talk to you both off the air if you want. That's one thing. Let me read, let me skip question two and read question three, because it is your okay. question. My student's annual IEP team meeting was scheduled to occur, occur after March 17th. It was canceled when all school closed. Will the district reschedule the IEP? Answer. It should right now. Every school district is supposed to comply with the federal laws regarding annual IEPs. CDE guidance correctly states that federal timelines remain in force, meaning that school districts should do their best to adhere to the maximum extent possible to adhere to them. The idea still requires school districts to convene IEP meetings during school closures. During this extraordinary uh, public health emergency, School districts will likely excuse strict compliance with timelines for IEP meetings. If the school district has already missed the date for your child's <coughs> annual IEP, then they will very probably reach out to you to convene the meeting. It will either be virtual or a phone conference. Some districts are already trying to schedule IEPs while others have not formulated a plan. Reach out preferably in writing via email to your school district to ask if they're planning on convening an IEP meeting let them know you are ready and willing to participate via phone or a video conference. So long as your district schedules an IEP between now and when the time schools open again, we believe the courts will excuse any timeline violations. The only thing I'd say about that answer is this was sort of our thinking about this as of Monday, it's now Thursday. Many more districts, even in the last three, four days have come online and started scheduling things again. My suggestion is if you can't get an IEP meeting to, tell them that you're going to have to file for due process. Um, 
Well, you first ask for prior written notice and you also tell them you're gonna file a compliance complaint and if you have to file for due process, those are avenues we wouldn't normally use and they might strictly speaking not be the most legal way to proceed ordinarily, but these aren't ordinary times. All I'm trying to do is like shake the tree and have some things fall out. I don't, I'm not really too hung up on, on procedure. Like, oh, well, but normally we don't, we don't file for due process until we've had an IEP meeting. Well, if the district is refusing to hold an IEP meeting and they won't tell you why, and virtual options are available and the district's open, I think you gotta bypass all that and say, fine, I'm gonna get state, the state involved. Yeah, I, you know, I think we all are trying to be cognizant of, that, of the fact that it, this, we live in an extraordinary times, but some people are taking advantage of it. And the fact of the matter is, is that yeah. your school officials are still on the payroll. They still need to be doing productive things and providing education and doing IEPs. And, um, you're, you know, I think sometimes autism parents are trying to be so respectful uh, that, that in, in the course of, you know, doing that, we allow people to walk all over our necks. And, and in this instance, you don't need to worry about that, folks. You can be nice, you can be polite, but you still get to have your IEP meeting right now. And we have one person who's written in and said, I wish I'd known that IEP meetings were required to be annual. I went years growing up with no follow-up, and I could have advocated for myself in the older grades if I had known. I do think it's important that we be telling our, our kids uh, and that at an older age that we ask uh, if, if our kids are, are aware of their circumstances and you know best for yourself, but at a certain point, my son was present at his IEPs and, and they can be, they have the right to be there and advocate for themselves. Is that not correct, Bonnie? It is, but uh, I'm not that big of a fan on having kids come to IEP meetings, except really? Well, because I think a lot of the time you get into discussion about things that, that are that are things that need to be discussed, but not, might not be great for the student to hear. So for, for older kids, I think the best way to handle that is have them come in at the beginning of the meeting for 10 minutes and introduce themselves and talk about what's going on with them or have them come, up, come in at the end and you can kind of praise them up and tell them that we discussed all this stuff and you're doing really well. I unfortunately went to an IEP meeting many years ago at Venice High School where I ended up concluding that part of the, the purpose of the meeting was to punish the parent for her advocacy by dragging her daughter into a meeting where the daughter who was a teenager had to hear things that should have never been discussed in front of her. So I'm extremely careful about that now and I, I only do it in the manner that I've just described to you. Okay, I, I think that that makes good sense. We are out of time, but Abani, I have to thank you for being here with us and um, for always being such a wonderful, wonderful resource for us. Tell us again where people can reach you at Tolner Law Offices. You can reach us <clears throat> on the web. If you go into the Tolner Law Offices website, there's an intake form if you wanna fill it out and talk to one of us. Um, there's a phone number on the website. I can be reached at 310-245-1968. And next week, I'm gonna continue hopefully uh, with the question, with the the frequently asked questions and answers, and we will keep refining what we're telling you based on what we're learning. Now, Bonnie, I have you scheduled for being on Monday. Yep, you do. Okay, great. Okay, fabulous. And I do want to say before we go, a uh, couple of uh, things that uh, Mary Jane White wrote in and said that today is Ruffin's 29th birthday. Oh my God! Isn't that amazing? 
And for those of you who don't know who Ruffin is, I hope that we will have the opportunity to introduce you to Ruffin and his mom uh, very soon. And Ruffin is right now a PhD student in robotics at UCSD. No surprise. No surprise. And um, he's an amazing uh, gentleman who is featured on the Recovered video uh, for CARD and um, is a brilliant, brilliant young man. Um, and so happy, we want to say happy 29th birthday to Ruffin, who's been such a, a light in so many of our lives. Uh, and I, I knew that you would find that interesting, Bonnie. I also want to let... Name, I haven't heard his name in many, many years, but you know, even then it was very obvious that he was a bright spark. Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, I also want to say that we are going to be back this afternoon for the afternoon version of Autism Live. We'll be back with Card Heroes at 2 p.m. Pacific time. And in the interim, if you are a card parent, we have a very special webinar happening at noon in just one hour with Dr. Doreen Grampichet answering your questions. I know for the rest of you, you're like, what? But you had your opportunity yesterday and I'll have it for you again on Wednesday. But if you are a card parent, check your email. There is a very special opportunity with Dr. Grampichet in just one hour. For everybody, we'll be back with Dr. Grampichet here at two o'clock for that card heroes. Bonnie, thank you so much for being with us. Don't forget you guys tomorrow, Julie Matthews from Nourishing Hope is here with us for the whole hour of Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. We're going to talk about the food piece. And she says she's got three things to help you in the midst of all this mashugana, three things to help you to make sure that you're getting the right nutrition and that your kids are too. So you're not going to want to miss that. That's tomorrow on Autism Live on the morning show. And tomorrow is Dr. Tomorrow is Dr. Grampichet's birthday. Wow. So, yes, yes. tune in for that. All right. Okay. Bonnie, thank, thank you, you so much. Bless Have you. Day, I will talk to you soon. Okay. okay. Everybody else, uh, we'll be back uh, later on this afternoon. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. Bye.